Boston Sports Syndicate. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Boston Sports Syndicate Fire the Muskets podcast. This is the Syndicate's podcast dedicated solely to the New England Patriots and the National Football League. I'm Bill Travers. Thank you for joining us. The Patriots have six games into their regular season, and like most of 2020, the Patriots season has just turned upside down from what we're normally used to. So we have quite a bit to talk about, and as usual, joining me is the Syndicate's senior Patriots writer, also the senior Celtics writer, Derek McVeigh. Derek, how you doing? Uh, you know what? Six weeks into a football season, I've definitely been better. Um, but, you know, this is uncharted territory for me. You know, you guys didn't live through the uh, the teams of the 70s and the 80s and the 90s like I did. You might have been alive, but you weren't probably weren't fans back then. So this is just like old times for me, <laughs> being the old guy in the group. Uh, we also have a new addition to the Fire the Muskets podcast. If you listen to our flagship podcast, you probably heard the announcement that James Collard, a.k.a. James the Contrarian, has moved on to bigger and better things with the syndicate. Uh, so joining Derek and I, or is it Derek and me? Uh, I am the editor-in-chief of the website. I should know that. Um, joining Derek and me uh, for the Fire of the Muskets podcast in his debut is Kevin Santos. Kevin, how's it going? Um, been better watching uh, some rough football the last couple weeks, but uh, but I'm hanging in there. Kevin uh, is an occasional writer for the syndicate, uh, for the Patriots. <laughs> I'm being kind with occasional, aren't I, Kevin? Very, very <laughs> kind. He's written a few articles for uh, for the syndicate. Um, he, he was also part of our Epic Roundtable podcast, if you remember with our one-year anniversary. Um, seems like so long ago now. We uh, crammed, uh, what was it, Kevin, about eight guys down here into our studio, and you can't see my quotation fingers. But our studio here, we crammed about eight guys in here, and we did like three hours worth of a podcast. So you might. Yeah, it was a, it was a good time. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think I've seen any of you guys really since then. So. No, no, no. Soon I hope. Soon I hope. But for now, mm-hmm. Skype is is getting us through. So let's uh, let's dive right into the Patriots, guys. Um, as I said, two and four start. Um, certainly something we have not seen in these parts for a long, long time. Maybe two and two as the team was trying to figure things out. Uh, but, you know, it always improved after that. So two and four. We knew this season was going to be tough, especially with defections from COVID and he who was to be named later leaving for Tampa Bay. But did you did either of you really expect two and four at this stage and not just two and four? the way they've looked the last couple of games against Denver and San Francisco. No, I think, um, I think looking like before the season started looking at the schedule, I would have thought if they were three and three at this point, I wouldn't have been surprised. Uh, so two and four, just looking at it isn't terrible, but yeah, it's, it's the way they've gotten there. These past two weeks have been two of the most lifeless performances I've ever seen, um, you know, from the Patriots, as, as long as I can remember. Uh, and if we had done this podcast a month ago, it, it would have been a completely different tune. I mean, after the first few weeks, even after the loss to Kansas City, you were feeling pretty good. 
Um, you know, you thought if once they got Newton back, things would look good, but it's actually been worse since Newton returned from COVID. Yeah, that's for sure. Kevin, how about you? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm right there with Derek. I Looking at the schedule before the season, I, I had them probably around 3-3. Three and three. Um, I would have thought they would have been able to, to handle Denver. Um, and, uh, and, and yeah, I thought they would have probably taken a, taken a loss from San Fran, but, uh, but like you said, the, the way they've lost in the last couple of weeks is, is, is really defeating. I think as a fan to watch this team that you've, you've seen dominate for the last 20 years to just suddenly, uh, looking like they're in the bottom third of the league. Yeah, I've got to agree with both of you. I, I don't even know if I would have had them three and three. I mean, playing San Francisco at home. I mean, I know San Francisco went to the Super Bowl last year, um, but you know, playing them at home is always a huge advantage for a Patriot team, unless you're playing Baltimore usually. Um, so, you know, three and three, I guess, wouldn't have been, you know, totally out of the question. But you know, Denver never going to lose to a team like Denver, not at home. So, yeah, it's it's definitely been very different. Uh, what were your thoughts after the first couple of weeks? I mean, they, they beat up Miami pretty good, which, again, asterisk, it's Miami, but it, which also was a team that beat them last year when they needed to win that game to uh, secure a bye at the end of last season. So you took care of them pretty good. Newton looked healthy again, I'll say, uh, definitely <clears throat> at least running the ball. So I, I got to agree with you, Derek. There, there was some hope there. And then when they went up to Seattle and he threw for almost 400 yards, it really looked like they were cooking and there were people talking about giving him a contract extension, signing him to a long-term deal. Yeah, um, I think, yeah, you know, after week one, it was kind of like, all right, pump the brakes. Yeah, they looked good, but it was Miami. And, you know, they really just, it wasn't anything spectacular. They, you know, ran all over them. I mean, Cam... He made throws when he had to, but it really was about the running game. But yeah, after that game against Seattle, you're like, wow, I mean, maybe they can hang with the the top teams. And then two weeks later, you know, without Cam, they hung in with Kansas City. And I mean, if Newton had played, who knows? I mean, if it was the, the Cam Newton that was there for the first few weeks, maybe they could have beat Kansas City. Um, but yeah, you were feeling good after a few weeks. And then I, it's like the wheels have come off. Um, and it's not just... Like Newton, the defense has been bad. They've forced one, like one or two punts in the past couple of weeks. It's, it's been crazy. Like the the 180 that this team has done after just a few weeks. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I got to agree with again with Derek. Um, I mean, I'm I'm used to seeing over the last, I mean, the last several years, even with with Brady under center, the team the first first few weeks usually you see them trying to kind of catch their stride um, and get things sorted out. So opening the season, playing the way they did with, with Cam Newton, um, I mean, before the season started, I had this team around 500. Those first couple of weeks made me kind of even question, well, maybe they'll get another win or two uh, with him that I wasn't expecting. Uh, and like you said, he, he went out with the, the COVID protocol and, and he came back and he looks like a completely different quarterback. Yeah, you mentioned the, the predictions. Derek, I don't know if you remember what we predicted in our last Fire the Muskets. I think I had them 7-9, and 8-8 eight and eight maybe. Um, do you remember what you predicted? Yeah, I had, I think I said 10-6 and six was best case scenario. And I thought that, you know, they 
looking at their roster, they don't have a ton of talent, but I thought Belichick would win them a few games that they weren't supposed to. And, you know, that would be the difference in winning 10 games and winning, you know, six or seven. And it, I mean, the Kansas city game was one of the games that they could have won that they shouldn't have. Um, you know, they didn't take advantage of that opportunity, uh, but it's, I don't know. It's these looking at the, the future of the, the schedule and how difficult it is. It's going to be hard to get, you know, to 10 wins. It's going to be hard to get to eight wins. Yeah, I think you're right. That Kansas City game is the type of game where he just had a, a great game plan going in. And if you got anything out of the quarterback spot in that game, you could have stolen it. It was there. And and what happened with uh, Brian Hoyer, especially at the end of the first half, and, oh, and, and you know, not, not only – losing track of how many timeouts they had, but then taking that sack instead of just throwing the ball away. You know, that was that was some points off the board. So, yeah, that was a game that I think that if you had Newton, maybe you could have stolen, at least if you had Newton the way he had played the, uh, the two weeks before against uh, Seattle. Um, but let's let's dive a little bit more into the last couple of weeks, into, into the, uh, the Denver and yesterday's game against uh, San Francisco. Uh, the Denver game, I think, was the most troubling one to me. And, Derek, you mentioned the defense before. Uh, they were just letting Denver go up and down the field, and it was the old bend-but-don't-break defense. They were only giving up field goals, which in the old days when you had somewhat of a potent offense, you could get away with that. You could outscore your opponent. But you combine that with a with an offense that's sputtering, that's just a recipe for disaster, and that's what we've seen the last couple of weeks. Yeah, that's um... – the, I mean, Denver, yeah, I mean, they didn't play great, um, but they, at the end of the day, I think they did enough to win. Like, yeah, they, they let Denver move up and down the field the first few quarters, didn't force a, a punt, I think, until either the, the first play of the fourth quarter or, or towards the end of the third. Um, and the same thing again yesterday against San Francisco. Right. Yeah, and the punt they actually got yesterday was like garbage time. San Fran was just kind of just running the ball to, to run some clock. Um, but... Against Denver, they, the offense also put them in a couple bad spots with some bad turnovers, some short fields. So, I mean, they they did – I think they played well enough to win. You know, 18 points, keep a team out of the end zone, um, for the most part, should be should be enough. Uh, but yesterday was more embarrassing to me. And it the one thing that I took away from yesterday is just their – they got younger, for sure, on that like for, compared to last year, and that was one of the things they wanted to do. You know, they had all those one of the oldest teams in the league, but they didn't get faster. I mean, their defense is still so slow, especially their linebackers. They just got exposed yesterday with the the speed guys that San Fran has and in Samuel and their rookie Ayuk and their, you know, the running back Wilson. I mean, they were just getting into open space and the passes couldn't keep up. Yeah, it was back to the not able to tackle again, which is which has been a theme with this team for the last few years, actually not being able to make that tackle. And the, and the play that jumped out to me right away was San Francisco's first possession yesterday. They had a chance to get him three and out. Garoppolo uh, ran up the middle, and Bentley just whiffed on the tackle. Hit him about three yeah. yards before the line to gain, and Garoppolo still wiggled out of it and got the first down. And I just said to myself, oh, boy, this isn't good. <laughs> yeah, that's that's never a, never a good sign when uh... – a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo is, you know, out-muscling your middle linebacker. That's for sure. That's for sure. Kevin, any thoughts on the last couple games that you had? Um, the last couple of games watching, I think one of the things I've, I've noticed from 
from and I'm going dipping back to to Cam Newton. I feel like he's trying to do too much himself. Um, whereas I, I I feel like he had some some more trust almost in the team in the first couple of weeks, which is is odd to me. Um, but he seems to be holding the ball longer and looking to run a lot more in these last couple of games that he's been back um, than I saw in those first couple of weeks. And I can't remember where I saw uh, the stat, but uh, people I've seen people complaining receivers not getting open, which is causing him to hold the ball. But there there was a, a stat actually for uh, Demir Bird. It's actually around for the league he's actually one of the people getting open the most in the league um and i I, oh, I wish i had saved this stat but it was it was an impressive list of receivers and you see demir bird's name on it and you're kind of going so why isn't he getting the ball yeah that's interesting i i hadn't seen that stat I, he looked open on a number of occasions to me yesterday and newton was just throwing the ball five yards in front of him which yeah he go ahead he he just seems to be passing up on on quick throws that he can make and and almost like he's looking for either the the big deep throw or if i wait long enough and all of the db's are back in coverage i can i can run and he he's looking to be the hero and that that o line is is not built for that this year they're they're crumbling around him well they did get andrews back yesterday but then they lost tooney <laughs> So they just can't catch a break on the line. But you, you talk about him looking to throw the deep ball. I, I'm concerned with his arm strength the last couple of games, and especially yesterday. It looked like he couldn't even make the throw down the field outside the numbers. He was he was bouncing some balls on that. And some of his other throws that he made straight into the ground, i got to wonder if, if he's re-injured that shoulder that he had surgery on a couple of years ago or if there's something else going on with him. Because his mechanics and everything just did not look right to me yesterday. That that could be part of it, but um, I mean, I do also see him. Like I said, he he's he seems um, not so not as confident in his in his teammates. And a lot of the throws I, I watched him make, he's coming off of his back foot, and and I think that's a big part of why he's he's so off. That the one to uh, Edelman where it was high and behind him, he's. He's, he's stepping back as he's throwing. He doesn't have the confidence, it seems like, in his line to be able to just stand, step up, and fire. And, and I think that's kind of what's resulting in some of these awful throws we've seen. Derek, how about you? What are you seeing out of Newton? Yeah, I mean, I agree with Kevin that it, it feels like he's trying to push the ball downfield every single play instead of taking, you know, the underneath stuff and stuff that the the defense is giving them. I mean, I've seen, you know, replays during the game, but even, you know, like rewatching highlights, you see there are guys open, especially like underneath, you know, those safety routes, whether it's the tight end just kind of running, you know, two yards, just kind of standing off to the flat, just like, I'm here if you need me. Those guys, those routes are there. And Cam just, for whatever reason, he either doesn't see it or he's just not looking at them and he's trying to make big chunk plays. And that's where he's getting into trouble. He's holding onto the ball too long, taking bad sacks or trying to force it and it gets intercepted or he just doesn't have the, you know, the accuracy that's really failed him right now. Um, do you think that's, you know, it's, do you think that's a, excuse me, do you think that's a case of the first couple of games he more or less played his style 
running the ball a lot. And do you think maybe now as he's learning more of the offense, they're asking him to do more and he's not grasping it the way he should be or grasping it fast enough to run some of these plays and go through his progressions? Yeah, I definitely think there's there's something to that. I also think a, a big part of that is, like you said, early in the season they were playing his offense. I think they were getting off to great starts because they were establishing the the run early. Like the, the Vegas game and the Miami game in particular, they ran all over those teams, and they established it early. And in these losses, they haven't got the ground game going early, and it's put more pressure on Cam to you know win it with his arm. And he's shown... That he hasn't been able to do that. I know he had that great performance against Seattle, but now that we're you know six games into the season and I, you see what Seattle's defense is, I think that game is more of an indictment on Seattle's defense than it is on you know Newton uh, and the offense being you know playing well. I think Seattle's defense is just awful. Yeah, I gotta agree with you on that one. I, I did some a little bit of research looking at his uh, quarterback rating in the games that he's played. So the Miami game, 100.7. Seattle, 94.6. Vegas, 73.8. Denver, 51.6. Yesterday against San Francisco, 39.7. Brutal. Definitely trending in the wrong direction. Yeah, and even the Vegas game, like, he wasn't great throwing the ball in the Vegas game. Like, that, that they won that game because they ran for over 200 yards, and he had some nice, you know, runs because that's what, that's what he can do. But and because Vegas kept shooting like themselves the in the foot. Yeah, yep, for sure. So I'll ask both of you, how much longer do you stay with Newton if this trend continues? Oof. You got to give him at least. I mean, you got to play him against Buffalo. But if he has another awful game against Buffalo, and you know you you lose that in the same manner you've lost these last two, I think you got to go to Stidham. But every time they throw Stidham out there, the guy can't stop throwing interceptions. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. On paper, Cam is, is the best quarterback that you have on the team. So against the Bills, yeah, you definitely have to keep Cam out there. Um, what is it? The next week it looks like they, they have the Jets. Depending on how Cam plays against the Bills, then, yeah, you may want to look to Stidham, who who looks like a scared child every time he steps onto the field. Um, but uh, you got to – you got to give him some reps and, and see if he can work himself out of that too. If you do think he is actually going to be the future quarterback, which I'm not so sure they think that anymore, but there's only one way to find out. See, I don't think he looks like a scared child. I, I thought he kind of looked like he had some confidence in him. He just makes some bad decisions. I, I saw a lot of happy feet when I was, when I was watching him, maybe, maybe it was just on plays where I was watching closely and he was, he might not have been doing it on the others, but I, I saw him dancing a little bit and it, it just I don't know as a guy that was supposed to come in to be the next you, I mean you had to know even if Tom Brady was here for another year or two like you're probably the guy that's coming in after him and I just I I would have thought he'd have been more confident than than he is and and I'm not seeing it yeah especially the way he was hyped by the organization saying that had he come out this year in the draft he would have been a first round pick so right. that that at least indicated they were somewhat high on him. Yep. Of course, then they went out and signed Newton, so maybe not so much. Things things do <laughs> change. Well, I, I think that was I think the ideal situation again would have been him sitting behind Brady for another year or two and then being ready to go. I think uh, I don't think they wanted to throw him to the wolves just yet, and 
that was the intention behind signing Cam. But if if that continues the way it's going, then, like I said, you just got to see what you got at that point. Right. And that's the other thing. Like, if they were, you know, two and four right now with Stidham under center, I think I'd be a little more okay with it. Be like, all right, you're giving this kid a chance to see what he can do. But they signed, it felt like they signed Newton to, you know, to elevate this team. And, you know, when they signed Newton, everyone's like, oh, if he's healthy, they're a playoff team. But if he's going to play like garbage, there's no point of having him out there. Like, he's not the, he's not your future quarterback. Turn, turn it over to Stidham. And look, if he sucks, then he sucks. And then you... In the draft, you look for another quarterback. But if Cam's not going to get it done, you got to at least give Stidham a chance. I know it's a small sample size, and he hasn't exactly lit things up when he's been out there. But you know, you give him a, a couple games to see what he can do, watch some film, you know, learn from his mistakes. So I, I think if Cam has another bad week, what a perfect time to start him against one of the worst teams in the NFL. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that, Derek. I, I was thinking about that yesterday. You know, you don't want to throw him in against Buffalo. They've got a good defense. Cam is still your best chance to win or to go to the playoffs, I think. If you're going right. to turn to Stidham, now you're in rebuilding mode and all, all that comes along with that. So, yeah, give Cam one more chance. See what he looks like next week, even if he's mediocre next week but plays better. I think you still have to go with him against the Jets because the division is still within reach. You know, I think – the buy, the one buy that you get this year, that's that's totally gone. There's no there's no chance at that. But the division is still within reach. This is still not a great division. Buffalo's better, and they're probably better than the Patriots are, at least talent wise. But maybe Belichick can steal that game or two to get the division. And especially with the game being in Buffalo next week, if you can win there, that kind of gives you a game advantage, even though you're already uh, you're still a game and a half behind them, I think because they're two and a half behind them right now. But you're still in this, bottom line, which I think I've said three times now. So <laughs> so, so Cam Cam is definitely your best chance if he's healthy, which I'm putting into question. So we'll see that uh, next week. Go ahead. I said it's a valid point because I saw – I forget who – someone put it on Twitter today, and it might have been – it was one of the beat writers. Um, they looked at Cam Newton in the last two games. I think he's thrown – like three or four passes to the right side of the field in the last two games combined, everything's been to the left side of the field. And you just wonder if like, if there's some, some type of injury that like, you know, if he throws the ball to a certain side or whatever, it hurts his shoulder or, or whatever the case may be. It's just, it's just a weird stat to, to look at all his throws and the fact that in two games, you know, less than five of his passes have been to the right side of the field. That's interesting. Because you would think with mechanics being what they are, you should be stepping into the throw anyway. It should be the same basic throw no matter which direction you're going. So I think that gets into a little bit of his bad mechanics too, where his feet mm. don't get set properly. So I'm going to ask this question. I, I was I was going to hold it for a little bit later, but seeing we're talking about the quarterback, if they still had Brady, what do you think their record would be right now? Do you think they would have beaten Kansas City with Brady? I think they definitely would have beaten Denver without Brady, uh, with Brady. Yeah, I think they're four and two if Brady's here. Um, like I said, I think they definitely beat. There's no way they lose to Denver, and I think if they they get that defensive effort that they got against Kansas City and Brady's out there, they would have won that game. Um, you know, yesterday, who knows? It, it could have looked a lot different. I think yesterday is more 
on the, the defense, just inability to stop San Fran. So I don't know if, you know, if the defense played like that yesterday, I don't know if Brady could have put up 35 with this offense and the Seattle game. Look, I mean, Cam played as about as well as you could have asked him in that one. So I don't know if Brady could have played much better, but yeah, I think, I think they're four and two if, if Brady's here. Well, yesterday, Seattle, they were up, what, 10-3 early in the second quarter, and the Patriots were driving, and then Cam throws an interception. And Seattle yeah. takes that, and then they score to go up 17-3. So there's, there's a completely different complexion right there. You know, it could have been 10-10, 10-6 had the Patriots scored, at least gotten a field goal. But instead, you're down 17-3, and momentum's totally gone. So, I mean, little plays like that can make a huge difference overall in the game. Because once a team gets that momentum rolling, you know, it can really go downhill fast. But, Kevin, what are your thoughts on if Brady was still the quarterback? Um, I think if Brady's still under center, you're flirting with 4-2, and 5-1 and one even. That, uh, I mean, that Seattle game was close with Cam. And, and obviously, Tom Brady is a much higher caliber quarterback, in my opinion. Than, than Cam Newton, um, so I mean you're you're definitely you're definitely looking at first in the division and you're and you're eyeing a playoff spot already, uh, whereas uh, now you're you're struggling to stay out of the bottom of your division here against the lowly Jets, which is embarrassing. So the other question I wanted to ask about Brady was, for all the people who were saying that Brady was on the downside after seeing what he's done the past few weeks in Tampa Bay. And I was one of them that, that thought his better days were way behind him, and he was pretty much done after his performance here la- the last couple of years. I got to say, I was wrong. And I think all the people who said he just needed weapons around him, they're being proved right right now, seeing what he's doing in Tampa Bay. Yeah. Um, you know, Max Kellerman, known known Brady hater, came out this morning and said he, he admitted he was wrong. Brady hasn't fallen off the cliff. Really? Uh, yeah. So big, big news out of uh, First Take Studios. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I think for the record, I did exactly not hear right. that. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it, it, oh, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say that. Yeah. I mean, he's got weapons around him and he's he's throwing it like deep, too. He's hitting hitting some guys deep downfield. It's not just the, you know, underneath over the middle stuff. Uh, he's definitely, he's still got it. Um, but I, I think it, this goes back to something that um, Kevin was talking about earlier, where you miss Brady the most is his um, like ability to hit those guys underneath and take the, take what the defense is giving to him. You know, known Brady haters like to call him a system quarterback. All he does is, you know, dink and dunk his way down the field, just drops it off to running backs, lets them run. But you know what? If Cam Newton was doing that right now, this team could be in a better spot. There are plays there to be made that Cam's not making because he's too focused on getting the ball downfield. Whereas Brady takes what the defense gives him, you know, five, six yards at a time, works his way down the field. And then as the game progresses, the defense, you know, inches up a little bit, that's when he hits you for, you know, 15, 20, 25 yards downfield. Um, so that's, I think if Cam could just start recognizing these guys underneath and start hitting those passes, things would open up a little bit more for this offense. Yeah, and you say Brady's a system quarterback. I, I counter with every quarterback's a system quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's a team in the NFL that doesn't have a system to run. So. Right. <laughs> 
And maybe that's a problem. Cam was just doing his thing all those years in Carolina. Let's talk a little bit more about the receivers. Uh, Edelman has not looked good at all the last few games, all year really, but especially the last few games. Um, And one of those pick sixes that Stidham threw uh, was definitely on Edelman. The pass hit him right in the hands, was a a little bit high, but uh, not, not anything he had to jump up for. Bounced off his hands right into the arms of a defender who, who took it in for six. So is has Edelman, is, are his best days long behind him? Is he done? Uh, I think, I mean, his best days are definitely behind him. I still think he can be productive. I mean, you saw what he did against Seattle at a, a huge game. Um, he's definitely not 100%. I mean, they were uh, like giving him rest days in camp too. So there's no way he's fully healthy. And I mean, he wasn't fully healthy last year too. But he had to had to fight through it because he really had no other option. Um, and I I wonder if he's a little bit, you know, bitter that his buddy is gone in in Tampa Bay having a great time and Edelman's up here in a in a tough spot. Yeah, that that's uh, that's exactly my biggest takeaway. I I don't think he's having as much fun without his his buddy Tom Brady uh, throwing him the ball. I I don't think he's he's enjoying it as much uh, as he did when. Brady and Gronk were, were around. Um, but I, I, I do, I do agree with you as well. I think he's, he's 34 now, I, I believe. So he's, I mean, he's getting up there for, for a wide receiver, especially one um, that lives in the middle of the field. Uh, so he's, he's definitely banged up. Um, so it's, it's a combination. I think, like, like I said, of just of probably injury and, and just heart is his heart even fully in it anymore. And it's, it's, kind of sad to question that with a guy like that because he was always fiery on the field and ready to go um but it just it doesn't seem like his heart's in it as much you're right it is sad to question it i mean that guy has taken a beating in his career i mean look at the super bowl against seattle where he practically got knocked out but he stayed in that Mm. game and and who'll ever forget that catch he made against atlanta in that super bowl but i mean Again, I, I think he's I think he's actually 35 already, and he there's just so much mileage on that body. Yeah, like like I said, I mean he lives in in the, in the, sun, the middle of the field, so he's he's constantly getting banged up, and uh, there's there's only only so much he can take, you know. How about? Yeah, I mean I think. Go ahead, Derek. I would say I think like well you know Wes Welker, um, I think he lasted. So he's 33 or 35. I think he was 34 was his last year in the league. So, I mean, similar type player, you know, is always in the middle of the field taking huge hits, ton of targets, ton of catches. That stuff takes a toll on you. So, I mean, it. no one would blame Edelman if he's starting to, to slow down and starting to, you know, break down a bit. When Welker started getting up there in age, in mileage, when he was with the Patriots, they started phasing in Edelman, if you recall. They right. started working him in. Do you see that next guy on the roster that they can work in? Maybe Gunnar Olszewski? Could he be that? There's, there's a guy who plays with reckless abandon. Did you see him returning punts yesterday? <laughs> yeah. He's going to get himself killed. <laughs> do, do you think maybe he's somebody who's who could be groomed to be that next slot receiver to take Edelman's place? Do they have guys like that? I mean, for years you'd see you'd have that next guy, um, the next pass-catching back. I'm trying to think who was before James White. Um, Vereen. Vereen, yeah, and 
you always had, you know, you had Vereen. He was he was starting to get a little bit older. You had White coming up in the wings. You had Welker as your slot receiver, started getting a little older. You had your next guy coming in. You had your linebacker, Gerard Mayo, started getting a little older. Then you had Dante Hightower, your next guy to slot in. Are we even seeing these guys on this team right now? I mean, there's a lack of depth there. There's a real lack of yeah. depth, and I, I just don't see these guys coming up through the wings. I think it's certain positions they have some, like a defensive back. They're pretty deep. But, yeah, I mean, in terms of wide receiver, no way. I mean, Gunner, who knows? I mean, you've only seen him as a return man. And, look, that's how Edelman started. He was just a guy that returned punts. And when he got his opportunity, you know, to um, play receiver, he looked good. So, I mean, it's tough to um, like have a judgment on Gunner until he actually gets an opportunity. I like – I, I want to see more of Jacoby Myers. I really don't understand why he hasn't been on the field. And maybe that's an indictment on him that he can't get on the field um, despite how thin this team is at receiver. But, I mean, he got in there yesterday and came immediately, you know, targeted him three or four times, and he had, you know, a couple nice catches over the middle. So I'd like to see more of him. I thought he looked good at times last year too. Um, so I'd, I'd like to see him get more opportunity. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm at the point – in the season where I I don't think this is a playoff team. So I'm fully on board with throwing anything at the wall and seeing what <laughs> sticks. Uh, yeah, put put Gunner out there, see what he can do. Put Jacoby out there, see what he can do. Just just try things to see what these young guys can can do for the upcoming season. I mean, with COVID, you have some guys that opted out. Uh, so you'll have good players coming back into the fold for next season as well as the the patriots are are pretty well set for for next year in cap space um i think they're they're set to have over 45 million in cap space next season so i mean there's you could there's other opportunity to add weapons in free agency as well so i mean like i said to me this is this is a lost season i've i've almost given up on it completely at this point and and I'm I'm all for just trying out what to see what works. I agree with you on Jacoby Myers. I agree with both of you guys. He he did flash a little bit yesterday, and we have seen that from him in the past. Um, it, it it's just surprising how he can't seem to get on the field more. But uh, what about Nikhil Harry? He's I don't know who. It, it's it's really tough watching all these young receivers around the league who were who were drafted after him. Uh, showing out every week, and and he's just not developing the way he should be at this point. No, I he's I had such high hopes for Nikhil Harry. I thought the Patriots finally got this big body wide receiver who was going to be able to just go up and, and take the ball away from defenders and just just be that that dominant force on the on the offense on, outside the numbers. And he he just does not play with with that kind of like grit he he just seems so timid on the field and i don't know if it's you, you know, I got people always talk about the system being hard to understand and 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 everything like i don't know if it's a combination of that the the big stage is getting to him i don't know what it is but he doesn't look like a confident player to me and and i expected a lot more especially coming into his first real full season you talk about this the system and his physicality there's been times where he's caught the ball 
and there's been a defender between him and the first down marker, and he gets taken down by somebody smaller than him. Yeah, there was there was a play. I don't remember what game it was. A play along the sideline where he he caught the ball, turned, and he's what is he six four? Yeah. He 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 turned around, and hit a, a a defensive back that had to be five nine, five ten, and he just bounced backwards off of him. It was <laughs> like, and it's not like it was this this real jaw crunching hit. It was just he just turned around and and just bumped and just went went down immediately. I remember just standing up screaming at the TV, like, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking of the same play, and I can't remember which game it was. I want to say it was the Vegas game, but, yeah, it's the same thing. I haven't seen that physicality from him. And, that's and you know, even coming out of college, um, the rap on him was he didn't get a lot of separation, but that he was physical enough that he could, you know, he, he had that catch radius or whatever they want to call it, where he could go get the ball. We have not seen that at all from him maybe a little flash here and there but for the most part we have not seen that from him at all so are we out on him already or if this is a season that uh, we're pretty much throwing away do you just throw him to the wolves and and see what he can do for the rest of the season i mean i don't i don't bench him you certainly keep him out there and, and keep throwing him the ball if he gets if he gets looks get him the ball um but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm mostly out on him at this point, uh, especially when you take into consideration guys like DK Metcalf were still on the board <laughs> for that draft, watching what he does week in and week out this season, and then comparing that with Nikhil Harry, and it's just that oh, it, it's so sad. That guy is a specimen. Oh, DK Metcalf. It's it's incredible. Well, he's a first round pick, so I guess we really can't give up on him that fast. <laughs> you, you got to see what you can get out of him, but it, it's certainly discouraging. And, and Bill has a history, Bill Belichick, that is, has a history of, of <laughs> not doing well with wide receiver drafts. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I don't think he'll ever live up. I'm not quite out on him. I don't think he'll ever live up to, like, a first-round pick. I don't think he's going to have that type of talent. But I still think, you know, the big thing for him, Bill, you mentioned that, you know, it was, it's his catch radius and he can go up and make plays. I just haven't seen them, like, even try something like that. Like, I haven't seen them throw a jump ball his way and give him an opportunity to, to go up and get it. So I'd like to see them, um, you know, target him a little more and give him some opportunities. Um, you know, I know Cam Newman's twice put him in spots where he's gotten his bell rung. Oh. I mean, yesterday he got crushed yes. in the Seattle game, too, where he got demolished. Um, but I'd like to see them try a little bit more of those, those jump ball opportunities and then, you know, and see if he can – you know, make plays that way um, because he doesn't create a lot of separation, doesn't really get open. Um, but I think he's a guy that if, you know, going back to Brady, if Brady was still here, I think he's a guy that could have benefited from, you know, a full off season with him because people were, were high on him going into last year. You know, he made it through camp was in the, and then got hurt in that first preseason game. And then he comes through halfway through the year and Brady by that time had already kind of checked out, and wasn't really wasn't really having it. Didn't feel like putting the work in. So I think I think it's a guy that could have benefited from a guy like Brady, who was you know familiar with this system, because um, Cam's you know still trying to learn things as well. So I think it's just a, a tough combination. Two guys who still are you know trying to get a grasp of the playbook. Yeah, uh, Chris, Christian Fourier actually uh, on EEI this week. I just kind of people still listen uh, to EEI. People still listen to EI, but uh, Fourier just crapped all over Nikhil Harry 
called him or or said he may be the worst route runner in the history of the world. <laughs> so, That's strong. So, well, yeah, Fourier was so, a tight end, so he's got some credence. Yeah. Yeah, he he just he actually also quoted as saying uh, the defensive backs don't have any respect for him. <laughs> so it's it's like I said, coming into the league, this guy is is a a big body wide receiver that you guys talk about the catch radius in college. It's is he just gonna be one of those guys that dominated in college and falls falls off once he gets to the league? That's that's, that's what it looks like we're we're building to here. Was he? There could be something to that. Um, you know, you mentioned like defensive backs not respecting him. And if you remember the the Denver game, that fourth down that they didn't convert. You know, Newton had Harry open and just missed him, but the defensive back was like 10 yards off him on a fourth and 10 and like wasn't even bother bothering to cover him. He gave him so much cushion and, you know, they still couldn't make the play. So you wonder if like defenses just look at him and like, oh, we don't have to worry about him. It's not like the Patriots have a lot of other weapons that they have to pay attention right. to. Wasn't uh, wasn't Harry the one who caught the touchdown pass from Stidham in the Kansas City game? That nice floater yep. into the corner. That that was Harry yeah. that caught that pass, right? Yeah, I was believe him. so. Yeah. yeah, I saw that as like an indication of hmm, maybe we do have something here, but uh, you certainly haven't seen anything close to that since. Right, he had that play last year too against the the Chiefs that flash that you know it was a touchdown that wasn't a touchdown that they ruled that he stepped out when he didn't actually step out, but came across the field and like beat guys to the edge and leapt from like the two or three yard line and. You know, got into the end zone. They said he stepped out, but you saw a play like that. Like, there's his athleticism, but it's just it's few and far between right now. Just have to put it all together, but it's got to be soon. So, assuming the Patriots do fall out of this fast, say they have a bad game against Buffalo. Now you're sitting at two and five. You lost four straight. Can't believe they've lost three straight. That's that's just unbelievable to me. But um, assuming they Say they do lose against Buffalo, and they've lost four straight, and you're three and a half games out in the division. You've got the trade deadline coming up November 3rd. Do you see them selling at the deadline? I could. I'm trying to think. Um, admittedly, I don't know like some of their contract situations, but I could see them, like, I don't know what they would get for them, but thinking about moving Edelman or Gilmore. I know there were talks that they tried to trade him or they explored trading him this offseason, you know, if, if they could get a, a big haul for him. So I, I wouldn't rule anything out with Belichick. I've heard some talks about trading Gilmore, and they've said, you know, because of his age, he's 30 years old now, that you probably wouldn't be able to get a first-round pick for him. And, and the yeah. first thing I thought of was, didn't they give up a first-round pick to get Brandon Cooks a couple of years ago? So somebody like Brandon Cooks could be worth a first-round pick, but the reigning defensive player of the year can't get you a first-round pick because he's 30? That just seems out of whack to me. He values the offense. Yeah. Um, I'm, I, don't, I don't see them necessarily being sellers, while, but I, I at the same time I can agree that it wouldn't shock me to make a move like Edelman. Uh, Gilmore, I don't. I don't think they'd – I know there's been rumors about it. I don't think – I don't think they should, I guess, would be the the way I should say that. Um, like I said, next season, you're getting guys back from uh, the the uh, opting out 
for COVID. Um, and you do have a lot of money uh, coming for your cap space. So as much as they, they don't have a, a solid quarterback option currently, I do still think they're going to have a, a decent team next year that I don't think you need to just totally blow up what you have. You know, the sad thing when you talk about them trading away, usually, you know, you're trading away a player of value. I can't even think of that many that you have besides <laughs> besides Kilmore and Edelman, maybe Tooney, who's got a huge contract that would be difficult to right. move. So, yeah. Yeah, especially, especially based on this, this year's uh, body of work. Nobody's really uh, selling themselves. <laughs> so this is the team moving forward, I guess. So, guys, is there anything else uh, – on the Patriots that we missed or that you want to talk about before we move on to one other thing. I don't necessarily want to talk about it, but <laughs> Nick Folk has been doing halfway decent. So yeah, seeing a kicker, not miss a kick has been the highlight for this team so far, <laughs> especially with, know, like... especially with uh, Guskowski missing what would have been a game tire yesterday for Tennessee. Yeah. He's, he's been doing what he does. He, you know, hits a bunch, then misses one that counts. He's missed a couple for Tennessee. Um, I know I, during yesterday's game, one of my buddies texted me. He was just like, what the hell's going on? I was like, I can't even think of a positive. I was like, well, at least Nick Folk's two for two. <laughs> we got that going for us. Yeah, that's that's how you how the mighty have fallen, right? Right. That's where we're at. Were any of them even more than 45 yards? Were they even over 40? No. They might have been 40, like right on 40, 41, but... Yeah, nothing to write home about. I think uh, the punter had a good game, too. <laughs> yeah, maybe they could sell high on him, get a couple draft picks for Jake Bailey. Wow. <laughs> not good, not good. No. All right, guys, before we wrap it up, uh, let's just uh, look at the rest of the NFL. And I was wondering if uh, any of you are surprised by anything that you've seen so far, seven weeks into the season. Ooh, definitely. Um well, one, the NFC East being as awful. Oh, you stole I mine. Definitely didn't see that coming. You stole yeah, mine. That's, that's the obvious one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll go. I'll go somewhere else then. Uh, I think Cleveland at five and two is a, a shocker, um, and they've looked good. Like that game yesterday, I know it was against Cincinnati, but Baker Mayfield, I think in the first the first quarter didn't have a single completion. Might have had one or two interceptions, and then the final three quarters had one incompletion and like four touchdowns. And the throw he made at the end to win it was perfect. And Cleveland's sitting at five and two right now. Yeah, mine. I, it's not so much uh, a huge surprise to me, but the the level of of awfulness of the the Atlanta Falcons, um, <laughs> and just Good just call. how that 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 franchise has just nosedived ever since that Super Bowl loss. Um, it's it's amazing to me. You still have a quarterback like Matt Ryan, who for the most part is one of the better quarterbacks in the league. But I I don't even know how to describe how just how atrocious it's been. They they can't hang on to a lead. They just I think there's there's going to be big changes for them uh, next season, even after they've already gotten rid of Dan Quinn and the GM and the GM. And that was their only win was the week after they both got fired. But yeah, it's not just the losing, it's the way they're losing. Right. Yeah, I've got I'm gonna go with the NFC East as well, and I'm gonna drill it even further down is is to Dallas. 
with the talent that they have on that team, to be two and five right now, is just a shocker. That uh, they they look like a I don't even think you can call them a team. They just look like a bunch of guys. Like that Andy Dalton situation with that that hit. Nobody reacted. No, like nothing. That that's amazing to me that nobody stands. I mean, I get it. He's the backup quarterback. He's not necessarily everybody's favorite player on the team, but the fact that nobody backs up their quarterback on something like that is kind of telling. Well, what were you looking for them to do? I mean, the guy who hit Dalton got thrown out of the game. Yeah. So it's not like anybody could have gone after him. Just uh, you gotta you gotta get in faces when something like that immediately happens. I'm not saying start throwing punches, but just some type of emotion to, to uh, some anger. Like I said, they just they seem like such a they're just there to collect a paycheck, and what happens happens. Is just the vibe that they give off right now. You know, I'll you bring you that. What, Go ahead, Derek. I was say I'll, I'll tell you one team that they're doing better than is the Bengals. Did anyone see? Uh, Carlos Dunlap from Cincinnati put up his house for sale after they lost yesterday. No, <laughs> so, I, I heard about so, that. <laughs> yeah. So things could be going worse in Dallas. I know they've already started bad-mouthing Mike McCarthy, but I don't think anyone's trying to sell their homes yet. Do you think McCarthy lasts the season? I think so, just because they're still in the playoff hunt, which is <laughs> incredible. Who Who is even Washington's quarterback hurt. now to beat them yesterday that badly? Who are they starting at quarterback? Are they starting Alex Smith? I know they bench Haskins. Uh, Kyle Kyle Allen. Kyle Allen. He's from Houston, yeah. yeah. Uh, he was uh, well. He was Newton's replacement in Carolina last year. Right. Did uh, either one of you guys see Dak Prescott's injury? Did you see it live when it happened? Yes, yeah. I did. Ugh. Don't ever need to see anything like that again. No. I. Uh, <laughs> I had never seen the Gordon Hayward injury crossing over into basketball. Um, so I asked Michael, my son, um, CEO of the syndicate, I said, I didn't see Hayward's injury. How does Dax compare to Hayward's? And he said Hayward's was ten times worse. So I ugh, I couldn't imagine seeing that at all because Dax, yeah. was, Dax was pretty pretty gruesome. Yeah, it, those those type of injuries hit kind of close to home as I've had. You know, my father had a had a bad accident, so every time I see anything Ooh. remotely close to something like that, you get some flashbacks and some PTSD type stuff. So, any I yeah, I, I caught it live. I don't ever need to see it again. You see some of these hits in the NFL with the size of these guys and the speed that they're going. I'm surprised it doesn't happen more. Honestly, yeah, it's the the Hayward thing. Like the Hayward thing was so gruesome because right at the right when it happens, I think it was Marv Albert who was announcing the game, like said he's like Gordon Hayward has broke his leg. Like you could tell right away. Whereas Tony Romo's like, well, you just hope it's not a cramp. And then they pan over to Prescott and his foot is pointing the other way. Yeah, I, I was. Right. I'm watching that and he's like, oh, he's holding his cramp and he's not like he wasn't acting like he was in pain. But right. then you look at his foot and it's like his foot is pointing in the total opposite direction. <laughs> Yeah. Well, Romo, that we could spend another whole podcast on Romo. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, my wife and yep. I, now we have a drinking game. We don't drink, but it's a virtual drinking game. <laughs> Every time Tony Romo says outstanding, we, we take a virtual <laughs> drink. Play it next time if you're at home. Yeah, I'm going to well, have to keep an eye out for that. Now. Yeah. Hey, 
It's the Tony Romo drinking game. Take a shot every time he says outstanding. You'll be hammered by halftime, guaranteed. If you're going to do the Tony Romo podcast, you definitely have to invite Bessie for that one. <laughs> yeah, but he likes Romo because Romo was a cowboy. Yeah, I know, but just imagine <laughs> the back and forth you'd have. That depends on how the Dodgers do in the World Series because after, after Dak going down um, and the way the Cowboys are playing this year, yeah, he needs one. He, need, yeah, yeah, we, he we needs one. We're, we're pulling for you. Wellness checks on him. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Anything else you want to touch on before we wrap this up? Uh, I don't, That's it. Yeah. I think the only thing I want to say is I think Sunday, honestly, is is a must win. And it feels so weird to say, and you know, they're six games into the season. But if they lose this game, they'll be two and five. They'll be three and a half games behind Buffalo. And at two and five, probably this year, I think ten wins will probably get you into the playoffs. Maybe nine because of the, you know, the extra spot. But if they lose you know, to Buffalo and then they've got to win eight of their final ten or seven of their final ten, I just I just don't see it happening. So I think Sunday's a huge game. Kevin's predecessor, James the Contrarian, still thinks they're going to go ten and five. <laughs> Ten and five. Oh God. <laughs> Not sure where that sixteenth game God goes, bless him. but yeah. But uh, but yeah, I mean he's he is down from his thirteen and three prediction, so we've got him going in the right direction. <laughs> or eleven and fourteen. Had him at eleven and fourteen okay. at one point. <laughs> James, uh, we make I mean, fun I... of you, but we love you, James. Eleven and fourteen. That was with Stidham though. Once I got right, Cam, it changed. Right. Yep. All those losses <laughs> went away. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I agree. The Bills game is is pretty big for them to have any hope. Um, but like I said, I, I'm mostly out on this season as it is. I don't I don't see this team making the playoffs. Um, <clears throat> I think Patriots fans are are going to have a, a tough time this off season not seeing their team in the postseason. I just hope the team plays with a little bit more life than what they played with yesterday. Yeah. I, I didn't see any urgency, any – nobody was even pissed off yesterday except the one time Edelman slammed his helmet on on the turf and it bounced right up and he caught it, which was the only thing I think he caught yesterday. <laughs> uh, but I, I just did not see much life from that team at all, which you know is not acceptable at any level, never mind at the pro level. But just looking at their schedule going forward, if we could for a second – at Buffalo, then at the Jets. Then they've got Baltimore, which I don't see them having any chance of winning. Then they go to Houston, which is a much better team than their record indicates. Then Arizona comes into Foxborough. Then they go back out to the Chargers. They stay out there. They've got the Rams out there. Then they go to Miami. Then they finish up with home at home with Buffalo and the Jets. So it, that is not a cakewalk schedule by any stretch yeah. of the imagination feeling like my eight and eight prediction is a little generous at this point yeah that's gonna honestly it's, it's gonna be a tough one there's there's two games on that schedule where going into it, like oh they'll win this game the two games against the jets against every other jets. game <laughs> yep. every other game just like i i have no idea yeah it just depends on what team shows up i guess right all right guys kevin excellent first appearance thank you thank you very much 
hopefully the next time we get together, we still have a season left to talk about. But, you know, there's always something to talk about. We can always find something. Yeah, happy to do it. <clears throat> All right, everyone, check us out. Our uh, Check our website out, www.bostonsportssyndicate.com. Find a lot of great articles on there uh, from Derek. Maybe even Kevin will write something for us. Who knows? Uh, also, check us out on Twitter and Instagram, at Boston Sports Syn, S-Y-N, and on Facebook at Boston Sports Syndicate. And when you check out our website, uh, also click on the Buy Merch tab. Uh, there's some new merchandise coming out all the time, and uh, we appreciate any uh, business we can get from you. Kevin? Derek, thank you for joining me. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And remember, wear your mask. Boston Sports Syndicate. Music for the Boston Sports Syndicate provided by IMCDM and Jay Kelly.